the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Henry Letterman wrote that hymn. Told you before, Henry Letterman was a professor of mine at Concordia University. English professor, wrote poetry, strong Christian. In the spring of that year, he was strong, uh, walking strongly. That fall, when we came back to school, he was in a wheelchair. MS had come, and it moved very, very quickly through his body. And I cannot sing a, sing a single word of that hymn that he wrote without picturing him in my mind. He said to me, he said to the class one day, my pulpit will be stronger with me in this wheelchair. People will be more apt to listen to me as I proclaim the power of his gospel. And in that one stanza where he says, in my weakness, God makes me strong. I know what he's talking about, and now so do you. Henry Letterman. Heavenly Father, no matter what our circumstance is in life, and his was MS, no matter what our circumstance is in life, we hold strongly to the anchor of our life, and that anchor is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. And Henry Letterman just didn't hold him as an anchor. He said, now I will have a more powerful vehicle to profess my faith in him. I will not teach any longer, but I will write hymns and I will write poems. And some of those hymns are in our hymn book. Lord, make us strong for you. All that that means, make us strong for you. In our Lord's name, amen. Friends, you may be seated. Romans 1.16. You want to talk about the five most powerful verses in the Bible? This is top five. John 11.25, the greatest one. I am the resurrection of life. This is top five, Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Not ashamed of the gospel. What does the word gospel mean? It's one word. What does it mean? It means everything. It means good news in Greek. Good news. Good news about what? Good news about Jesus. What good news about him? The fact that when you woke up this morning, it was your shepherd. He was already leading you beside still waters if you needed that. He was already turning the brown pastures of your life, if such they are right now, because of circumstance. He was already beginning them to turn them green. He has promised you, the good news has promised you, that as often as you need peace restored to your soul, which might be a hundred times a day, he will restore it every single time. He has promised you that his blessing will be so strongly upon you, if you recognize it was him and not fate or circumstance or bad luck or good luck. 
His blessing will be so heavily upon you. He'll anoint your head with so much oil that you will overflow with your joy and praise, as the bulletin cover says. You will overflow with joy directed to him. He has promised you that he'll set a table right in your living room. Whenever enemies come, he'll set it right there. And he'll beckon you to come and sit next to him and have your focus on him. That's the good news. That as long as you live on this earth, this good shepherd walks hand in hand with you through every valley of any shadow that you will ever face. That's the good news that he was not ashamed of. And the further good news, the moment he closed his eyes on this earth at age 62 or 3, whatever he was, he would spend eternity with his Lord in heaven. That was his good news. That was his good news. Eternity in heaven with Jesus because of Christ's death and resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Whatever power any text, John 3, 16... Whatever power any text has, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Whatever power any text in the Bible has, the power is there because the words were given by God himself to the writers of those texts. These are the words that God has spoken. God's power is evident in two ways. Number one, the creation that we see. Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God have been seen. His divine nature and eternal power. There is a second way his power is manifest. This book, this book, says in John that Jesus was the word of God made flesh. And he dwelt among us for a time. And when that word of God, namely his son Jesus Christ, ascended back up into heaven... He leaves behind this word. It always was, even before Jesus is born. It shall always be. And God sees so much of his power in this word. He says, Luke 21, 33, Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything that exists will pass away. But my word, since it's the power of God, my word shall never pass away. A word's powerful indeed. The wife speaks a word, there's great power there. (laughs) If you're so married. Husband speaks a word, perhaps a little less power, but it's there nonetheless. If you're a child, uh, mom and dad's voice comes, and they speak a word to you, that's great power. You can be surrounded by people at work and conversations drift in and out of year. You halfway listen to some of them. But when the boss speaks, there is power. We are talking about this book being the word, the voice of God himself. And if you think this book does not have power... You underestimate who God is. Martin Luther, I'm a young seminarian. It's my first week of seminary. And we're already studying Martin Luther. I'll never forget, some 40 years later, I never forget what Luther said. Luther said, when I opened up the Bible, put my hands on its pages, 
Before I read a single word, I feel the power of God going through my fingers, up my arms, straight into my heart and my mind. When you pick up the Bible, you are picking up the conversations that God himself wanted delivered to his people throughout the generations. When you pick up the Bible, you are picking up the promises, 7,000 of them, that God wanted for his children throughout the generations. And when you pick up the Bible, you are picking up the admonitions. Walk this path. Do not walk this path. When you pick up the Bible, the admonitions God wanted delivered to his children throughout the generations by the hands of the books, the epistles, the psalms, the prophets, the revelations that are found in this book. The power of any text derives its power from God himself. We will use this as a New Testament reading next week. We always do. For a hundred years we've always used it. On Transfiguration Sunday, 2 Peter 1.16. We did not follow cleverly invented miser tales when we made known to you the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Four verses later, no prophecy in Scripture ever originated in the mind of the prophet. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the power of God to write what he himself wanted written. Kingdom of God, not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power, and the power is God's. What power does he have? The power to create a universe out of nothing. The power to raise his son from the dead and use that substitutionary death and resurrection for our salvation. The power to overcome an addiction, the power to change a person's personality, desires, goals, aspirations. Power to do an operation described in Romans 12 too, where he literally transforms an individual's mind so that that person is a different person like was done at Pentecost. The disciples cowards and all of a sudden they are living and dying for their Lord and Savior. What power he has, the power to overcome grave illnesses. And the power, if the illness is not removed, the power to give indescribable peace and strength. The power to raise people from the dead and to give them an eternal address in this place called heaven. Romans 1.16, where did it come from? The pen of Paul. When, uh, spring, uh, 57 A.D., where did he write it? City of Corinth, great metropolis of Greece. The letter to the Romans is the only letter that Paul ever wrote, as far as we know, that was sent to a place he had not yet visited. And when he sent the letter 16 verses into it, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Not ashamed of the gospel. I'll tell you in a moment why he used that particular phrase, not ashamed. Tell you in a moment. Deep in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains, there stands an old moss-covered church. 
nigh unto that church, there is an acreage. It is filled with the gravestones of the pioneer forefathers, the men, women, children, infants who conquered the wilderness with rifle, axe, psalm book. Nigh unto the church, their graves rest. And in the stone over the portals of that church are cut these words, chiseled into the stone, these words. This church was built by Christians of this place as a token of their love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I shared that story 12 years ago. And one of the gentlemen in our church, Bob Shepard, he heard that story 12 years ago. He did not carve those words into stone. He carved them into wood. And when you leave this service and you look above that welcome booth, you will see those words by Bob chiseled into that wood. 160 years ago, there were 10 inhabitants of this place, and they built this church as a token of their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you had told them that 160 years later we would still be standing, they would have said, not possible. And then they would have said, but by the grace of God, it is possible. There is nary a church, I pray, in this world that was not built by some tribe, some tongue, some culture. Not as a social club, not as a part of some tradition, not as something to make them look good. But I pray that the Holy Spirit moved them to build that church because they were not ashamed of the gospel. And they would build it and they would come and others would come. The Apostle Paul, why did he write the book of Romans? He preached the gospel, power of God, 1950 years ago. He preached it in Tarsus, where he was born. Why not go to the place where he was born? Why not go to the place where his family was and his friends were? Maybe they weren't his friends anymore because he'd become a Christian. But he would go there, perhaps the most difficult place he ever preached, his own hometown. Did his family disown him because he had become a Christian? Probably did his friends just own? Probably. But he goes there first and he preaches the gospel. He doesn't stop there. He goes to Jerusalem, the world's holiest city. He doesn't stop there. He goes to Antioch, the world's oldest city. He doesn't stop there. He goes to Ephesus. The city where the great temple to Diana was built. A temple so huge, it dwarfed any other temple that ever existed. Four times bigger than the average temple. Larger than the Parthenon. So huge was the temple of Diana that it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the Apostle Paul walks into that city with the power of the gospel and he stands next to a pillar at the temple of Diana and he begins to preach the gospel. And they hear the gospel and they begin to believe it. And since the economy of that city was based on the worship of Diana, they had to arrest him. They wanted to stone him to death. God helped him to escape. 
Did he learn a lesson? No. Where does he go next? He goes to Athens, the city of the greatest intellects and philosophers in the world. And when he goes to Athens, he goes straight to Mars Hill, and he climbs Mars Hill, and he's in the presence of the greatest minds that exist in the world. And he stands toe-to-toe with them. And he says, let me tell you about the one true God. Acts 17. In him you live and move and have your being. And he doesn't stop there. He goes to Corinth, the great metropolis of Greece. He had always wanted to go to Rome. It's the greatest city in the world. If he had the power of God in his mind and heart, he wanted to take that power to the most powerful city in the world. And every time he was said to go to Rome, something happened to him. A health issue came up, couldn't go to Rome. An economic issue came up, couldn't go to Rome. Trouble in one of the churches he had started, he had to go there, couldn't go to Rome. And every time he couldn't go to Rome, he said, God doesn't want me there yet. And they were beginning to say about the Apostle Paul, he's afraid to go to Rome. He can go to his hometown, he can go to Jerusalem, Antioch, Athens, Corinth, but he's afraid to preach in Rome, the capital of the world. All of its grandeur and its cruelty and its wickedness and superstitions, its power and its pomp. He's afraid that God's power will be swallowed up by Rome's power. He's afraid that Rome will suffocate the power of God. He's a coward. That is why he won't go there. And the Apostle Paul, perhaps hearing those rumors, wrote, Contrary to what you've heard, at least I think he's thinking that, contrary to what I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's not the power of Caesar. It's not the power of some emperor. It's the power of God unto salvation. Why didn't God let him go to Rome? Because he would die in Rome. He would die in Rome. He'd be rotting in a prison for seven years, and then he would be executed. God knew it. He had so much more work for Paul to do. So God kept putting it off until the time was right. Why didn't God let him go to Rome? Because we wouldn't have this letter, people. We would not have this letter. There are certain chapters in the book of Romans that Martin Luther wrote sermons on. He wrote 900 sermons on one single chapter of this book. There are many a theologian who say, if every book of the Bible was removed, let there be one book, and let it be the book of Romans. If Paul had gone to Rome, this book would not be ours. He was young. He was 24 years of age when the illness came. And for two and a half years, he battled the illness. The illness became known to many others, many other churches, many other Christians. And when the illness became known, letter after letter after letter after letter after letter, email after email after email, calls after calls after calls, they came. 
From the north they came, from the south they came, from the east and the west they came. Letters written by a person who is 100 years of age, 90, 80, 70, 60, 50. Letters written by so many of his age group who knew him in their 20s. Letters written by teenagers. Letters written by children, four or five years of age. Not hundreds of letters, but a thousand letters. All sitting in a box in his room, many of them. And when uh, those letters were written to him, they contained one content. This book. This book. Athletes, dramatists, professors, truck drivers, attorneys, accountants, young, old, this book was the power that was delivered into that young man's life over and over and over again. It was as as if God was saying to that young man, I'm going to show you every single day my power. I'm going to remind you every single day of my power. And speaking to that young man often, he said, those letters and those reminders of the promises, the comfort, the power that God has, that is what enables me to bear this illness. Pastor Shower and his dear wife, he's preaching at Living Word this morning. Pastor Shower here, 17, 18 years, me, 31 years. Nine years in Wichita. And he and I do one thing every Sunday. We share the power that is in this book. And when he and I are teaching in that parochial, our parochial school, we share one thing, this book. When we visit small groups, it's this book. And when I'm counseling for weddings, it's this book. And when the wedding is happening, it's this book. And when I'm in nursing homes and when I'm visiting the terminally ill and when someone has died and I come visit the family, it's this book, it's this book, it's this book. Why is it this book? Because this book is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who hears it and believes it. Not only have Pastor Shower and I shared this power, you have shared it with us. Endlessly, endlessly, and there is not a week that goes by. Every time a week starts, I say, Paul, it's going to be five or six circumstances this week you're going to be involved in. Five or six, just, just say, that's what's going to happen, and it does. And every time those circumstances happen, it is you sharing a sermon with me. It is you saying to me about the job, God. It's you saying to me about the one he brought into your life, God. It's you saying to me when the illness goes into remission, God. It's you saying to me when the illness comes back, God. It's you saying to me when the house is foreclosed on, God. It is you sharing with me the power of God unto salvation. It's you writing the letter. It's you sharing the story. It's you doing what Paul did in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed to connect God with the circumstances of my life and to believe that he is there and his purpose is good.
This is what you share with me, with others in your small group, with those on the commuter train, with those at your high school, with those in the fraternity. This is what you share. Closing word. Peter said, I'll not be outdone by Paul. Peter said, I'll not be outdone by him. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, you are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Peter said, I'm going to do the same thing Paul did. I'm going to remind people. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8, though we have not seen him, yet we believe in him and are filled with unspeakable joy. For we are receiving the goal of our faith, even the salvation of our soul. John said, I'm going to not be upstaged by Paul and Peter. John says, I'm going to mention God's power. So he does. First John 4, 4. Everyone born of God has overcome the world because the power of God in them is power, is more powerful than the one in the world. We all want power, do we not? No matter how humble we might be, there is part of us that wants power. You have it. And it's him. Be reminded, be reminded, be reminded, be reminded. You have power. It is him. Deliver him to others. Deliver him to others. In our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, our wrestling on this earth is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of this world's darkness. When fear comes into our lives, it's because we sit and think momentarily that that power is greater than God's power and we ought to be afraid. But when we are reminded that God's power is far more strong than Satan's power. That God defeated Satan's power when Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead. Sin, death, and the power of the devil defeated. Heavenly Father, you use the power of the gospel to change Martin Luther's life, turn it upside down. You use the same power to change Paul's life upside down. And Peter and John and the other disciples and trillions upon trillions upon trillions of your children on this earth. Heavenly Father, power of God, you have unleashed it on this earth, the day of Pentecost. Let us unleash it in our own lives, never ashamed of the one who died and rose again for our salvation. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.